Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Welcome to November, everyone, and to our Better Than Before Business and Leadership podcast. I'd like to invite you to visit our website at clearvisiondevelopment.com. We post new stuff almost every day, and our blog has over 400 posts. You can also subscribe to our Monday morning memo. Each Monday morning, I'll send you an email newsletter with two articles, a quote, and a list of helpful best practices. And I'd also like to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. In addition to several episodes of Clear Vision TV, we've also started releasing every Thursday some of the best segments from our podcast, Better Than Before, including guest interviews and business and leadership lessons. We just released uh, How to Develop Your Leadership Capacity this past week on our YouTube channel. So check that out. So hi, Producer Bill. Hi, Tony. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. Good. Here on Election Day. Right, right. 2018, the day that Americans decide on Congress. Yeah, and great uh, voter turnout. So I want to encourage you to exercise one of the wonderful benefits of citizenship in the United States of America, and that is to put in your two cents on who our leaders should be. Go and do that and get your little I voted sticker, right? (laughs) Right. Let's see what's going on in the world that I want to talk about today. Well, first of all, last Thursday, President Trump was here in Columbia, rode the big Air Force One into the airport here in Columbia, Missouri. I just missed the traffic. I was on my way back from Jefferson City, and the traffic was just starting to get kind of congested. And I stepped on it. I (laughs) got on through. But uh, it looked like uh, from television, quite a bunch of people. Yeah, I heard around 12,000 people. Wow. Lots of signs there saying Tigers for Trump. Yep. The only thing I'm going to say about this, you know, people are so uh, touchy these days about politics. Um, I saw on Facebook today, somebody just made a little comment on Facebook and bam, there there come all the comments from all the people <laughs> wanting to fight, you know. Doesn't take much anymore. No, I, so I, I'm trying to avoid all that. But I am going to give you one quote from the Donald last night, our president, President Trump here in Columbia. He said, this election is a choice between Republican results and radical resistance. It's a choice between greatness and gridlock. It's a choice between jobs and mobs. And it's a choice between an economy that is going strong and the Democrats who are going crazy. And there were just amazing explosion of cheering. Yeah, the energy was pretty strong. I tell you what, you can say what you want about the guy. And, you know, I don't like everything about him or anything like that. But I tell you, I wish I had his energy. No kidding. At 70-something years old. I mean, he only sleeps a couple hours a night, and he's never not campaigning. He's holding a rally about every other week and and then doing the president's job. I mean, 
most people who have been in that role uh, just do the, and I don't mean to make it sound just, like they just do that president thing, right? Yeah, because that's plenty to do. Of course, the midterms are going on, so he's out supporting his party and things like that, but the guy just seems to have endless energy. Okay, two easy changes that could prolong your life. Are you interested? Absolutely. Even a 10-minute walk may be good for the brain, says the New York Times. Mild exercise can immediately alter how certain parts of the brain communicate and coordinate with one another and improve memory function. According to an encouraging new neurological study, the findings suggest that exercise did not need to be prolonged or intense to benefit the brain and that the effects can begin far more quickly than many of us might expect. And the simplest way to drastically improve your life, number two, is more sleep. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. As you get older, do you find that you need more sleep or or less? Less. Less? Yeah. So how much do you sleep at night? I was, believe it or not, at nine hours when I was younger, and now I'm probably closer to seven. I go to bed about 11. Mm-hmm. I mean, I start going to bed around 10. And I usually doze off around 11 because I like to read. I get the television turned off, get the dogs herded, and get my wife going in the direction of the bedroom, you know, and um, sit on the side of the bed and open my Kindle and do some reading. And then after almost dropping my Kindle a time or two and my chin hitting the top of my chest, I think maybe I should lay down and go to sleep. So how's your retention when you're reading at night? It's pretty good to a point. Mm -hmm. Like the last couple of paragraphs when I can't remember or comprehend what I read, (laughs) it's probably time to lay down. That's when you know. But I I mean, it about slips out of my hands a couple of times because I, you know, I'm all groggy or whatever. But about 11 is usually when I drift off and I wake up about 530. Yeah, I love the morning. My coffee pot is set at 5.45, so I know if I get up at 5 till 6 or something like that, then the coffee is going to be finished. And So someone walks up to you and pitches you on a brand new magical pill. This pill can measurably improve your memory, overall cognitive performance, ability to learn new information, more receptive to facial cues, mood, and ability to handle problems and metabolism, the risk for heart disease and immune system. And that pill exists, but not in pill form. All it takes is going to bed a little earlier, and you get all those benefits. I also believe, though, there is such a thing as too much sleep. I don't feel good if I sleep too much. Yeah, I get groggy. How much net worth do you think you need to have to be in the 1%? Well, that's a good question. I have no idea. Right, because you know what the 1% is, right? 80% of the wealth is possessed by 1% of the people. But how much net worth do you need to have to be considered in the 1%? Net worth of? Yeah, so net worth would be take all your assets, subtract your liabilities, and what you have left over. So your debt, your liabilities, your bills, all subtracted from your assets, that gives you your net worth. Yeah, I would guess uh, half a million. Half a million? Yeah. Wow, and I thought this was low, so you, you're even lower. Oh, yeah? Yeah, $871,320. Hmm. 
So not even a million. So if your net worth is greater than 871,320, you're in the 1%, my friend. (laughs) Well, I'm not quite there yet. Okay, Google's in trouble. Have you heard about this? I have not. Thousands of Google workers walked out of offices around the world to protest how they have handled sexual misconduct by some of its top executives. Starting in Asia and spreading across Europe, photos posted with the hashtag Google Walkout began flooding Twitter as employees gathered outside Google offices in Zurich, Dublin, Singapore, London, and India. Then New York and Atlanta, and finally its headquarters in Mountain View, California. The employee group, named Google Walkout for Real Change, said 47 offices worldwide participated. Wow. But it still seems like my Google machine's working. So (laughs) when I put stuff in the box, stuff comes up, you know. Yeah, now that you mention it, me too. Yeah. So secret shoppers. Have you ever done the secret shopper thing? No, but I've heard of it. Secret shopper scores shape customer service. Say that six times fast. Companies size up their customers by using data to generate a score called customer lifetime value. The Wall Street Journal's Kajija Safar reports that two people call customer service at the same time to complain about the same thing. One waits a few seconds before a representative gets on the line and the other stays on hold. There's a good chance that the difference between the two has something to do with the rating called Customer Lifetime Value, or CLV. That secret number, it's not a secret. I don't know why they're calling it a secret. That number is used by all manner of companies to measure the potential financial value of their customers. Yeah, it's been around for years. It's not a secret. Your score can determine the price you pay, the products and ads you see, and the perks you receive. Well, sure. I mean, if you are a good customer, you probably get the best rate. Credit card companies use it to decide what to offer customers who want to cancel their cards. It's kind of like the gym membership, right? Right. You signed up for the gym membership three years ago, and you've maybe been two times. And they punch that debit card every month. And then you call to cancel, and somehow they talk you into staying. Yep. Wireless carriers route high-value callers immediately to their most skilled agents. Well, sure. At some airlines, a high score increases the odds of a seat upgrade. I'll tell you something else that increases the odds of a seat upgrade. What's that? Pay more money. <laughs> that almost guarantees you a seat upgrade. You know, I guess we just never know. Like When we're doing something, we don't know if the person next to us is a... Real customer or a secret shopper? Very true. They don't wear trench coats. and (laughs) It's not like secret agent shopper. (laughs) Trench coats and pork pie hats and dark glasses and talk like Don Adams. Nobody gets that probably. Did you watch Get Smart? I did not watch it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was before me or I just didn't take an interest in it. I thought it was a funny show. Yeah. So I've got a really special guest this week, Dr. Jim Spain. 
who is the vice provost for undergrad studies at the University of Missouri, is here. He's in the green room, and I'm going to welcome him into the studio to have a conversation with us about some wonderful things that have been going on at the University of Missouri, what their strategic plan looks like for the next couple of years, and what a student can expect if they come here to Grand Old Mizzou. So that's coming up next. We're sponsored by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because we grew up here and we raised our family here. This is our home which means we care for customers like we care for the community. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, and we will always be here for you. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. Excited about my special guest today, Dr. Jim Spain, earned a BS in animal sciences from North Carolina State University and completed his Master of Science and Doctorate in Dairy Science at Virginia Tech. He joined the University of Missouri as an Extension Dairy Specialist in 1990. He has given 300-plus invited talks on dairy cattle nutrition management Uh, in 30 other states besides Missouri and 12 countries. He's been principal or co-investigator on grants of $6.5 million. He's co-authored 26 peer-reviewed articles, two book chapters, and numerous abstracts, trade, and extension publications. He was honored for teaching, advising with MU's top honors, Kemper Fellowship, Missouri's Governor Award for Teaching Excellence, and MU's Excellence in Advising Award in August 2007, he began serving as the Vice Provost for Undergrad Studies, a position he describes as MU's Advocate for Undergraduate Teaching and Learning. In 2010, he was named Vice Provost for E-Learning and led the reorganization of MU's distance education program, Mizzou Online, and he co-edited a book on teaching called The Pursuit of Teaching Excellence. From February 2018 till mid-August of 2018, Dr. Spain has served as Interim Provost and Executive Vice Chancellor for Academic Affairs, in addition to his job as Vice Provost for Undergraduate Studies in E-Learning and Professor of Animal Science. And I am just thrilled as I can be to welcome Dr. Jim Spain to Better Than Before. Hi, Jim. 
Tony, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. We met last year uh, when we were both doing presentations for the Missouri Corn Growers. Yes, sir. And then we became Twitter followers yes, of we each did. other. Absolutely. And I really enjoy being on your Twitter feed. Likewise. And I'm glad you're you're here because I want to talk to you about some stuff. Now, you and I were talking a little bit before we went on about your background in North Carolina and all the uh, flooding and all of that that they've had. Uh, do you have still have family there but all our family is yeah. still there both my folks and my in-laws and were they adversely affected marginally they were really blessed in that the storm didn't track the way it was supposed to or we were expecting some of the worst right unfortunately for other folks they got hit with an unexpected yes. level of damage but the state is a resilient group of folks and they've been flooded with support from all over the country as we were talking about, you know, Task Force One from right here in Columbia was deployed for search and rescue for, I guess, almost a month. And so, I think I was telling you that the Association of Missouri Electric Co-ops has sent a bunch of linemen and to all those states, yep. Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, and just wonderful that they were able to help. And the people's reception for all of those people was just great. I had heard great reports about how thankful and grateful they were. And so Americans helping Americans. Yeah, it did really reminds us of what being a neighbor really means. You bet. Right. You bet. And it's not just next door. Yeah. How did you get from North Carolina to Missouri? I finished my PhD and I knew I wanted to continue to be part of higher education. And at Virginia Tech, they had a really deep tradition and extension and involvement in the Virginia dairy industry. And the position here at Mizzou was an extension dairy specialist. And that just fit what I was hoping to do with all the education that had been invested in me mm -hmm. and be a part of the industry and a part of the future of the industry. And boy, I just fell in love with Missouri agriculture and, yeah. and this, the show me state. We've just found a new home state over the last 28, almost 29 years now. Well, I know you're a tiger tried and true right now. Yes, sir. But did you, what'd you grow up? Did you grow up a Tar Heel or did you grow up a Blue Devil or? Uh, I'm an NC State Wolfpacker. Oh, Wolfpacker. Uh, yes, sir. I, in fact, my wife and I were undergraduates at NC State when Jimmy Valvano won the national championship. Yeah, that was 83, and, right? Yes, sir. It yeah. was. Yep. Yeah, what a great moment. I mean, they still show it, you know, every year at March Madness. Yes. They show that, and of course, being from Kentucky, they always have to show the Leitner shot. Right. Which was on my birthday oh. in 1992. Right. And uh, just those great moments. Jimmy Valvano was a special guy. He was a special guy, and so gracious, even as he knew the end of his life was going to conclude, and still trying to make a positive difference. And the V Foundation, of course, continues to persist in trying to rally folks coaches against cancer is another example of and our own norm stewart you know, was very um, instrumental in that beginning of the of all that yep. so university of missouri here in our where we do our show and where we have our office and our business in columbia missouri let's let's talk about that a little bit dr Choi's done some wonderful things yes sir since he's been here absolutely and one of the things i was very impressed with when i saw you at the corn growers event was the fact that I'd seen Dr. Choi a week or so before that, and he gave a talk. Then I saw you give a talk, and you guys were so aligned in the things you were saying. But let's just talk a little bit about the future of the University of Missouri present and going forward. What are some of the main things that the leadership is focused on? So the Board of Curators actually just approved strategic plans for all four of the UM system universities. 
And Dr. Choi framed those around very strategic priorities, student success being one of those, research excellence, one of those, engagement and really service. And so that's uh, Marshall Stewart and the phenomenal leadership and work that he's providing in extension and engagement, inclusion, diversity, and equity so that our campuses are places that welcome that tension that happens between competing lines of thoughts and ideas. As Curator Steelman acknowledged at graduation, we're not in the business of indoctrinating students. We want to help students think about those hard questions. And as he pointed out, he'd been trying to indoctrinate his son for 21 years and hadn't gotten it done. (laughs) Right. Probably not likely that we can do it in three or four. And then efficiency. And really, that's built around recognizing that we need to be excellent stewards of the resources that the state of Missouri invests in us, that the parents invest in us when they're paying tuition, when donors invest in us, and when um, we have research companies and NSF and USDA fund research, we need to be good stewards. That, that's not our money. That's other folks' money. And so it really goes back to honoring the trust that they invest in us as a public research-intensive university who's been serving this state since 1839 and helping shape its future. We need to continue to be involved in not just solving today's problems, but what's the long-term game we can be involved in. Some of the things that you know were created 30 years ago, like food for the 21st century, now have led to groundbreaking technologies in agriculture. Mm-hmm. Well, that's been a, a long-term 30-year process and investment. So as Chancellor Cartwright challenges the university to significantly expand our research enterprise, that's what he's talking about. He's not, he's not talking about research for research purpose. He's talking about research that really affects and improves the quality of lives, focusing on those big questions and challenges that that face Missourians. Yeah. This enterprise of higher ed is about serving the state of Missouri. And we're not the University of Missouri. We're the University for Missouri. I love that. I do, too, because it, it reminds all of us that what we do is in service to. It's not something we do to the state. It's something we do for and with the state of Missouri and citizens from all 114 counties and the city of St. Louis. Yeah. Have you, have you gotten response to that change in brand? Oh my gosh. Yes. From people. Yes. Um, you know, and, and we see it in the, the philanthropy that folks, the, the investment that people are making out of their wealth that they've worked hard to earn. Now they're making an investment because again, it goes back to what I talked about with the corn growers, right? It's about trust. Are you demonstrating values that we agree with? Are you demonstrating a level of competence in what you're doing that you're gaining our trust and our our confidence? And Dr. Choi and Dr. Cartwright have been absolutely instrumental. Take, for example, what happened in Jefferson City last session. Right. The fact that the the legislators, the, the legislative leaders in the state of Missouri stepped up and said, okay, we're witnessing a significant change and we're going to invest in that. And as Governor Parsons says, you know, workforce development and having a highly prepared workforce, you can't get there by cutting education. Right. That, those two things just can't happen. Absolutely. 
And so to see the confidence that Dr. Choi and Dr. Cartwright have gained in the state leadership is exciting. Yeah, I like what you said about that because, you know, I work with a lot of CEOs and a lot of large companies. And so I ask them, you know, what do you think your main problem is? And they'll always say communication. Communication's our problem. And I always say, well, is that a symptom or is that a cause? And it's never communication. It's usually trust or conflict or, you know, territorialism or something like that. Think something's not working right. Or usually it's that people don't trust each other. Well, if I'm communicating, I can communicate all the time. Right. But if you don't trust the messenger, you don't trust the message. Yeah, we can't cooperate or collaborate or anything, right? When we're going for different outcomes, too. Exactly. Right. Well, it goes back to that value. Am I doing and demonstrating this value that I say we share in common? And if I'm demonstrating it, then I'm going to gain your trust. So I know how difficult it is to... um, facilitate change in a really large organization sure and of course the university is a big ship right and so you have to lean hard on the rudder to steer that ship one way or the other so what's been the biggest issue Um, what's the hardest thing uh, to change in the last couple of years so again it goes back to focusing on the core and high priorities that are important to Missourians and making sure that they understand that um, when they send their son or daughter to Mizzou in particular, that we're going to do everything we can to honor the trusts that they're investing in us. You know, this last year we had the highest freshman retention rate in our history at 87.3%. Congratulations. Yeah, no, it's a lot, but that's the entire campus community agreeing this is a priority. This is important for us. The fact that we have set a five-year goal in freshman retention rate to be at 93% by 2023. Now, I'll put that into some context. That would put us in the top 60 public and private higher education institute in the country. And that's where we want to be. Not because we want to be among the best. We want to do the best job possible for the families who bring that student to us. And then give them not just the courses and the curriculum, but, but really help them prepare for the purpose that they aspire to. Going back to the family farm, if it's working for the corn growers or being a nurse or all of those things, we want to prepare them for the best possible future. Our students who we're educating today at Mizzou are going to have careers that don't even exist the day they graduate. They're going to face problems that we've not even begun to dream they're going to face. They're going to have opportunities we can't even begin to imagine. How do we prepare them for that? Right. It's not for the year after they graduate, but for the two decades after they graduate. Right. I read in some research where in the 18 years that a child is born and then graduates high school and then gets ready for college, the world's a completely different. I mean, it's completely done a 360 into a new phase. And it's not that we've not been successful. Nine out of 10 of our students last academic year, nine out of 10 had successful career outcomes. So they were in med school, vet school, law school, graduate school. They'd gone into the military. They had jobs, averaging starting salary at $44,000 a year. Let's put that into context. The average 
for the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the AAU publics, 74 to 78%. Mm. We're 10 to 15% better than the average for our peer groups. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That doesn't happen by accident. Right. No, it's purposeful. That's very intentional efforts and investments that we're making in our students and their future, which I think honors the trust that Missourians are investing in us. So one thing I'm curious about, um, and I'm always curious about relationships, and so I asked you about the corn growers, you know, how you got involved there, and you said former students. Yes, sir. Right. And so take me inside a relationship uh, with students at the University of Missouri. I know you've got, and commitment and relationship parameters vary from teacher to teacher, I'm right. sure. But what are some of the four or five things that you think are best practices to have that good relationship that's enduring, you know, even after they go on? Sure. Right? Well, when working with our new faculty, when they start, one of the first things I challenge them with is our students don't care what you know until they know that you care. You can be the smartest person in the room, but if they don't think that their learning and their success is what's driving you, you're never going to get their maximum effort. Absolutely. I passed quizzes back this week. I still have the joy of of teaching uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I passed quizzes back, and there were a few students that didn't do as well as I'd hoped they would. So I put the score at the top, and I said, see me. And so they came up to see me, and I said, look, I'm not here to point out that you've done poorly. I'm here to know what can I do to help you be successful. What got in your way, and what can I do different? Now, it could have been that they didn't study hard enough, but you know something? Me pointing that out is not going to draw out from them a deeper effort. And I've always heard, too, that people respect what you inspect, right? So you're providing some safeguards for them, like, you know, he really is paying attention to what I'm doing, right? Yep. So I'll get my advisees. I still work with some undergraduate advisees in animal science, and I'll get their academic report at the end of the semester. And for those who do really well, I just send them a quick email that said, hey, great job last semester. I know how hard you had to work to make that happen. To those students who weren't as successful as I know they hope to be, it's a, hey, I know you're probably a little disappointed. Let's get together and see what, what I can do to help. How's that communicated? Is that handwritten or is that a email? I fired off to them as an email, but if I see them in the building and I have an opportunity to have that person to person one-on-one, um, it's always personal. I mean, that tells you how old I am. I right. used to get handwritten notes from my teachers. <laughs> well, know? I'll tell you, we've actually thought about going back to that because email gets so noisy. You know, there was some work up at Michigan State that pointed out their students were getting 40 and 50 emails a day. Well, all that noise, you just start hitting the delete button, and they're opening less than 25% of the emails. But if I got a relationship with them, they're more apt to open that email than if I don't have a relationship. And, and it's the same thing with what I do. The deeper the relationship, the more honest you can be. Absolutely. Right? The more forthright you can be, the more you can challenge. Um, I also saw a study where people read email typically in their own voice, um, mm. whereas in a handwritten note, they'll read it in yours because it. it's personalized, yeah. you know, but email is bland and technical. So whatever mood they're in, that's what they read the email as. Gotcha. Right? So they might go back and read the email later that afternoon and 
get something completely different sure. out of it, right? right? So if I'm a parent, just to kind of wrap up our whole discussion, I'm a parent, I'm thinking about sending my son or daughter to the University of Missouri. What can you tell me about what will happen with them? The strengths are the breadth of opportunities. All of our students have an academic advisor. Our academic advisors win regional and national awards. They care. They deeply care about these students. They're going to have opportunities to work with some of the leading scholars in the fields across all of the disciplines. And George Smith just won a Nobel Prize in chemistry. Right. And his first stop was to celebrate with his colleagues in biology. And his second stop, he left that conference room with his colleagues and his next stop was a sophomore level biology genetics class. Now think about the power of having a Nobel Prize winning evolutionary biologist step into your classroom and spend 35 or 40 minutes talking to you about how important this stuff you're studying can really be. Yeah, you're contributing. So we have an academic powerhouse, if you will, but the breadth of it, you know, you can get a degree in business with a minor in textile apparel management or you know, you can combine programs, but then you can also begin to add value. Do that study abroad with a scholar in that area. Um, do undergraduate research with a scholar in that area. Be a co-author on a paper. Take advantage of the 800, 900 different companies that are going to come in. Take advantage of the alumni network that we have, over 330,000. All of that is available for each and every student that comes to Mizzou. And we work intentionally to try to get them plugged into it. Yeah, it's an ecosystem. Indeed. It's an ecosystem that I think we take really good care of. And it's not just faculty and advisors. You know, our staff, I'll tell a quick story if I can. Sure. About an honors convocation December three years ago, we had an ice storm. And our campus facility guys got out there. They were out in the middle of the night chipping ice and salting sidewalks. And so that morning at 8 o'clock, all these families were coming into Jesse Hall. And those guys were still out chipping ice on stairs and telling the families, they're pointing, now be careful, there's a slick spot right there, there's a slick spot right there, and congratulations. So here's a guy that's been out there since 2, 3 in the morning, chipping ice, sanding sidewalks, spreading salt, congratulating families yeah that's the kind of university i sent my kids to that's wonderful well i for what it's worth i just want you to know i've taken note of the work that you and the leadership are doing and i just congratulate you on what you've done so far thank you and want to wish you the best of um, fortune and opportunity going forward I love the plan. You guys will execute it, and you'll continue to drive on to those outcomes that you want. I, I really do believe that. I appreciate that and very much. Because it's such a contributor to the business community here that you know I, I want to root for the university. I want it to see that ecosystem continue to grow, be maintained, right. and continue to you know put good employment uh, for you know good uh, employees for our business community, agriculture and otherwise. Absolutely. Uh, I do a lot of work in agriculture, and I really appreciate that uh, because we need them. Absolutely. And we're going to need them even more as we think about how we're going to feed the nine billion people that are going to be on this spaceship we call earth that's right 50 that's right how are we going to do that and um and do it in a way that 
that's sustainable and safe and good for Well, I have a slide in one of my presentations, actually, I'm given on uh, Monday um, down in Branson about there are like over 75 technology companies that are changing the farm today. Mm. You know, they're working on some aspect of the family farm that they're going to revolutionize and change. So there's, there. I mean, like you said, we have no idea what the opportunities are going to be, quite frankly. And that speed of change is going so fast that we have to continue to prepare people for it. Yep. Right. Yep. I've got about 12 real quick questions for you. Sure. They ought to be kind of fun. All right. Here we All go. Right, you ready? Yes, sir. What's the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you? Meeting my wife in freshman English class at NC State. Hey, what's her name? Vicky. Number one hero in your life? My granny Spain. And she was an angel. And if I can live up to be half the person she lived up to be, I'll, I will have had a good and successful life. I have similar sentiments. Um, top value you subscribe to? Um, love. Most important person in your life? My Lord and, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Me too. Um, your favorite thing in the whole world? My family. Tell me about your family. So how many children do you have? I've got three children, um, two daughters and a, and a son. The oldest is Melissa. The middle daughter is Emily, and you can watch her live on KOMU. Yes, Channel I have TV seen her. Yeah. Yet. And then my son, Asa. And then we have three granddaughters, um, Lucy, Katie, and Annabelle. Um, your favorite food? Tiger Stripe ice cream. <laughs> Most beautiful place you've ever been to? The beach of eastern North Carolina. If you could describe success in one word, what would that word be? Giving. How do you want to be remembered? Giving, loving, caring. Advice for a younger gym? Um, make better choices. That's what I tell my students every day when they leave class. Yeah. You know? Slow down would have been a good one for me. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite sound? Outside. How's that? Um, any particular season you like better? I love the fall. Yeah, me too. I love the fall. Yeah, I was driving back from Marshall the other day, and I was just loved the Missouri forest and the changing colors. It's beautiful. Yes. And finally, the best lesson you've learned that you could pass on? Um, be patient. Um, don't judge. Uh, forgive. Holding on to that stuff is just poison to you, right? It's not anything to the other person. It, it doesn't. I mean, it goes back to, to, to love. You can't. You can't love and not forgive. Dr. Jim Spain from the University of Missouri has been my guest today. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to be with us. It's a pleasure, Honor, and thanks for what you do to help us grow the human capital and capacity in the ways that you do it. You bet. Thanks, Jim. You bet. My pleasure. I'll have your leadership and business lesson coming up next on Better Than Before. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because we grew up here and we raised our family here. This is our home. Which means we care for customers like we care for the community. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here. Been here. And we will always be here for you. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
Welcome back to the Clear Vision Development Group Leadership and Business Podcast, Better Than Before. It's time for our business lesson today, and it's simply titled, How to Leave a Good Voicemail. You know, voicemails are part of your overall communication strategy. Now, if you're a person who sells goods and services, you really need to learn the art of leaving a good voicemail. If you're just a colleague or a family member or a friend, it would probably be a good idea for you to learn how to do a little bit better on voicemails. Because people mix up calls, they mix up emails, uh, your message gets lost, or they just dread hitting the voicemail button when they see your name next to it because you don't leave a good voicemail. So I can tell you that most weeks I average deleting at least 10 voicemails a week. And sometimes there are those annoying voicemails that say, if you do not call us within the next three days, we will call the local cops and they will come to your house and take you off to jail. And it's obviously a robo call, right? And uh, who says we will call the local cops in a voice? I mean, I know it's not the IRS, but those are the most annoying voicemails ever when you get a robo call. I'm talking about real live human beings uh, when you call somebody and you want to leave a voicemail. A lot of times, I simply cannot understand the message. I can't understand the callback number. I mean, they're spitting it out like they're trying to win a contest or something. And it just sounds like a bunch of blah, 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 blah. Unless I see the number on my phone, uh, I sometimes can't call them back. The people who leave voice messages and they rattle off through their phone number, you know, it, it just makes it difficult for people to call you back or understand or formulate a response to call you back. Especially if you're in business-to-business sales, be prepared for voicemail. It's going to happen to you more often than not. So what do you need to do when that tone sounds? Number one, be prepared. Have a few notes before you make the call about what you're going to say in case you have to leave a voicemail. You know, have a point one, a point two, a point three. People who just do it shooting from the hip, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't work. And people don't want to call you back or maybe even can't call you back if they don't understand you. Which leads me to number two. Be very direct and very succinct in your message. Get to the point. Don't go on and on. Number three, very clearly leave your name, your company, your phone number, and the best time to return the call. Number four, when you leave the number, visualize that you are writing the number in your head. Five, 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 six, 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 right? Not... Give me a call back as soon as you can. Five, 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 six, 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 six. Number five. Repeat the number one more time. Five, 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 six, 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 six. By the way, if you call my voicemail and you get my voicemail, these are the exact instructions you will get this numbered list I'm going through right now. And probably most important of all, be nice. 
be very, very nice when you leave your voicemail. I promise you, if you follow these steps, I bet you increase your voicemail callback ratio 10 times. You'll get a return on investment for voicemail for 10 times. Now, I don't know if you're ever experienced this, but have you ever experienced the person who calls you on and leaves a voicemail and then they call you back and leaves another voicemail and then they call you back and leave another voicemail because the amount of time left to record just isn't enough time for their message. So they're talking. Well, I just wanted to call and let you know that beep, beep, that your mom's in the hospital and we need to get in touch with you right away so you can beep, beep, help us with her. <laughs> Going back to my one point about being very direct and very succinct, getting to the point and not going on and on, right? So if you follow these tips, I promise you people will like getting your voicemails and your callback ratio will increase tenfold. That's our show today from Better Than Before. As the great Don Henley said, sometimes the best light comes from a burning bridge. I'll see you again next time. We're brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. I'm Tony Richards reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.